the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is unrest in the forest. There is trouble with the trees. All the maples want more sunlight. The oaks ignore their pleas. everybody another Al Gattulo craft beer cast on AM 970 the answer a little live trees from uh, 1981 from Russia's moving pictures 40th anniversary super deluxe uh, album CD just a tremendous tremendous album came out a couple of years ago um, there is some great live stuff on this uh, disc. They do Camera Eye Live. They do a whole bunch of stuff from, obviously, from the Moving Pictures album, but Signe SX-1, book two from Hemispheres, Beneath, Between, and Behind, uh, you know, the, the trees, obviously. and The trees, if I'm not mistaken, is about nuclear war. It's about the jockeying for position for missiles. That's the whole thing with the oaks and the, you know, maples and, you know. It's the metaphor for, I believe, nuclear war. I believe that was what the song uh, was about. So we've got a great show for you tonight. Craft Beer guest that's going to join me. An interesting guest is going to join me uh, in just a little bit. Coming up in 20 minutes, Adam Sklar, uh, the Craft Beer Sticker Exchange Coordinator for the American Brewania Association, or Brewerania. Brewer, I have to get the uh, cr- correct uh, pronunciation there. Uh, they are the ABA. I met this guy at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Fest. Uh, we had a nice uh, chat about what he does, but we will talk about what he does and what their mission is, and a lot more coming up uh, in just about 20 minutes from now. But let us dive into some uh, news, because we've got a lot of it to get to. A little bit later on in the program, uh, there was another vote uh, by the New Jersey Senate on helping to move forward um, a bill that hopefully will get to the governor's desk. Uh, and that he will sign that will help breweries and the ridiculous restrictions that are set to take effect again on July 1. We'll have an update on that in our next segment. Uh, and a lot of other stuff to get to, including uh, I earlier this week I was at a, the uh, Asteroid City screening, the Wes Anderson movie. Um, and why does that pertain to beer? Because Dogfish Head did an Asteroid City lager for the movie. 
So I'm going to tell you about that beer. And I'll tell you a little bit about the movie, too. That's coming up in our uh, next segment. But Stone Brewing uh, celebrating 27 years of amazing beer. So where else to celebrate it? Their Escondido Mothership. For the first time ever, the festival, uh, celebrating uh, 27 years now as a brewery, is going to be an evening affair. Uh, affair. Excuse me. Those who have sweated uh, through the high temps of beer festivals in the past, you're welcome. Join us for the main festival and sample dozens of amazing beers from Stone and our friends in the industry or get rare beer status and gain access to a private festival area in the bistro uh, and early entry to the event. The, the bistro gardens are amazing in Escondido. It really is. It's worth the trip uh, to go there to check it out, to eat the delicious food that they make, but to check out the gardens, it's awesome. Um, so anyway... Here's the uh, the Rare Beer Festival. Your tickets include 35 two-ounce pours of exclusive rare beers or main festival beers, tasty bites from the kitchen, a commemorative glass to take home, live music, and you get in one hour early uh, into the main festival at 5 p.m. Now, tickets are $120 until July 31st, and then they're $130 after July 31st. Rare Beer Festival designated drivers, uh, your ticket is $25. Now, your main festival ticket includes... 22-ounce tasters of beer from 40-plus breweries, a commemorative glass to take home, and live music. So there's no food included, and you get uh, 15 less beers to try uh, as opposed to the other, to the VIP, which I think the VIP is pretty good. Tickets are $45 for uh, the main festival until July 31st. They're 55 after July 31st. The main festival designated drivers are $15. I'm sure that some people are going to say, oh, only 22-ounce tasters. I'm sure that you could purchase more beers, uh, but for forty-five bucks, twenty beers—that's not you know twenty-two ounce beers. That's not too bad. Can't beat it. Stone twenty-seventh anniversary party. Uh, this is taking place. You know what? Huh? I don't have the date as to when Stone's big anniversary party is taking place. So let's you know what? Let's quickly go to the website. While I'm uh, stalling for time here, I thought I had written it down, but I guess I didn't. Uh, I believe, I believe this is in September, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Uh, Our beers, beer finder, um, shop online, visit us, events at Stone. Here we go. Okay. Uh, All Stone events. Let's see if they... uh, Ah, September 23rd. Saturday, September uh, September 23rd is when they are having uh, their 27th uh, anniversary celebration, which is really cool. And if you like sours, June 11th, well, actually, that took pl- that, that's taking place tonight, the Sour Fest. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll be over. Uh, on June 30th, though, they're having a stone beer and barbecue backyard hoot nanny at the Stone Brewing Tap Room in Kettner. So think about that. Anyway, so this is uh, this is taking place September 23rd, which is a Saturday, which is pretty cool. Now, Samuel Adams believes summer should be about letting loose with a cold beer. But all too often, unwanted obligations cut into our well-deserved beer time to help the whopping 80% of Americans that say they have obligations on their calendar they would be eager to ditch this summer. But 22% have struggled to come up with a believable excuse to bail. Samuel Adams has created the ultimate summertime accessory. It's the Samuel Adams I Can't Can. If you can't make it, you shake it. Shake the I Can't Can and an excuse will appear at the top of the mock can. Sort of like the Magic Gate Ball, which is pretty cool. Um, they also have 
a uh, the obviously the summer ale, uh, which is always fantastic. But they have a Samuel Adams Ditch Days Variety Pack. This features fan favorites like the Summer Ale and Porch Rocker, along new variety pack exclusives, the Summer Adventure Lager and the Take a Day IPA, which is really cool. The uh, Summer Adventure Lager, a crisp and smooth summer lager with pineapple and lime, perfect for any summertime adventure. And the Take a Day IPA, a juicy and refreshing IPA that is sessionable, thirst quenching, and full of orange flavor for a perfectly sweet summer taste. Profile SamuelAdams.com. Uh, for more information there. The award-winning Vail Oktoberfest has announced details of its two-weekend Bavarian extravaganza of competitions, contests, flowing German beer, German delicacies, traditional music and dance, children's entertainment, and more. It's a free family-friendly event uh, named among the 10 greatest Oktoberfest celebrations in the U.S. by USA Today. It'll be in Vail's Lion's Head Village September 8th through 10th and Vail Village on September 15th through the 17th, the 2023 commemorative Steins on sale now. They will sell out. Three Stein selections include a full 32-ounce liter large Prost Stein, which is 35 bucks, a 16-ounce ceramic Prost Stein at $30, and a 16-ounce medium Prost Stein at $25. Each Stein includes one free beer pour. Uh, they're also going to have the World Keg Bowling Championships, Bratwurst Eating Contest, the Stein Hoisting Competition, as well as a costume contest. There are prizes, of course. There's live music, a lot of different uh, German bands that will be there uh, daily from noon to 9.30 p.m. You can enjoy also as well authentic and delicious Bavarian fare, uh, bratwurst, pretzels, schnitzel, sam- uh, schnitz- schnitzel sandwiches, excuse me, pierogies, and more. Um, you, can have, uh, you can learn about making pretzel necklaces, Live children's entertainment, the full schedule of events in, uh, for the Oktoberfest in Lion's Head will be released in July. So that's pretty cool. So if you want to uh, do an Oktoberfest in September in Vail, Colorado, you can do that. And then finally, Barry Shannon and Michael John Queeley of Doolin County Clare, longtime bartenders of the Druid Pub in Cambridge, Massachusetts, have decided to bring the authentic Irish charm of the famous bar on the road. Uh, together with the blessing of Michael Crawford, the owner of the Druid Pub uh, in Cambridge, they hand-built an 8 by 16 replica of the, pl- of the pub called the Wandering Druid. It can be delivered to their customers for weddings, birthday parties, festivals, and corporate events. They al- also offer a bartending service where Barry or Michael John themselves get behind the bar to deliver perfectly poured pints to guests all over New England. This is a great concept. The Wandering Druid comes a fr- a fully equipped with indoor seating for up to 14 guests, two taps for draft beer, refrigeration, a Bluetooth-compatible speaker system, TV, electric fireplace, and everything else you would expect from an authentic Irish pub. They also offer a beer garden package to provide additional room outside the pub to create a truly immersive Irish pub experience. The customer supplies the beverages and the friends and gets to enjoy a little slice of Ireland on their doorstep. Very, very cool. I I think I'm going to have to interview these guys. Because this sounds like a great concept. For more information and to book the Wandering Druid for your next event in Massachusetts, just head over to wanderingdruid.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. That is very cool. I think we have to get those guys on uh, to discuss that in the very near future. When we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world. This is the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. A little uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I haven't heard them in quite some time. I mean, I know, you know, obviously changes, changes, changes. But Interstate Love Song, uh, good way to start off this second segment. There are a lot of uh, different things going on um, in the country, but more specifically... Uh, in New Jersey, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, coming up in ten minutes, Adam Scalar, the craft beer sticker exchange coordinator for the Americana uh, for the American Bruania Association. I'll get it right at some point. Um, I met this guy at the AC Beer and Music Fest. We'll talk about what he does, what their mission is, and a whole lot more. That's coming up in ten minutes. But also in our Suds and Duds segment, a little surprise for you: Mariah Calagione from Dogfish Head, uh, the co-owner, uh, will join me to talk about Asteroid City. The new movie, the new Wes Anderson movie that is in limited release now. I had the uh, opportunity uh, to see a screening of it at the Alamo Draft House, literally across the street from where we broadcast from uh, here on in uh, Lower Manhattan on Broadway. Um, and uh, Dogfish Head has made a, a beer for the movie. We'll talk to uh, Mariah about that, and I'll also give you my review of the beer and the movie as well coming up in our Sons and Duds segment uh, in about 20 minutes from now. So, speaking of Dogfish Head... Just in time for summer sipping, Dogfish Head has launched two new beers for distribution exclusively in the Mid-Atlantic and New, in New England regions. Uh, Bo de Goza is a limited edition fruited Goza brewed in collaboration with Talea Beer Company out of Brooklyn. And Hazy Squall, it's a continuously hopped hazy IPA. Both Bo de Goza and Hazy Squall will hit shelves in early July in four-pack 16-ounce and six-pack of 12-ounce cans respectively. Boda goes uh, this collaboration with Talea, a second time around they're doing this. It's a 5% ABV, a fruited goza, brewed with ripe cherries, exotic guava, and pink peppercorns. Um, they went to uh, many uh, Brooklyn board, uh, bodegas to find the perfect bounties upon which they built the Boda goza recipe. Uh, the beer first released last year at Dogfish Head's Coastal Delaware locations and at Talea's New York City storefronts, uh, but they uh, decided to relaunch it and up the scale uh, of this beer, hazy pink with bright white foam, Bodegos, uh, bursting with the smell and taste of tart cherries, tropical guava accented by an earthy, peppery spiciness, light and refreshing. It boasts a crisp, dry finish, similar to that of a dry white wine. And then later in the summer, Talea will launch its own iteration of Bodegosa. Uh, the same thing, cherries, mango, pink peppercorns, which is kind of cool. Uh, but also, Dogfish Head is going to be releasing a new hazy IPA, Hazy Squall, uh, blended from a, uh, brewed from a blend of Pilsner malt and malted wheat, uh, hopped with Cascade hops through the boil, and then dry hopped with a latent fermentation with a blend of Citra, Azaka Mosaic, and Galaxy hops. It's a 6.5% ABV bright gold beer with delicious aromas of orange, grapefruit, mango, lime, and juicy notes of tropical fruit, orange, creamsicle, and pineapple. For more information on those beers, dogfish.com. And to learn about Talea, you can head over to taleabeer.com. We're hoping to get... Um, the owners of Talea, and maybe Sam Calagione as well on the program. We'll see what happens there, trying to coordinate that. As soon as we get some info, uh, we will let you know. Also speaking nationally, heading out to San Francisco, Anchor Brewing Company halting national distribution of all of its beers. They announced that earlier this week, including Anchor Steam shifting distribution to focus on its home state of California. This from the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, California, Anchor's strongest market accounting for about 70% of the brewery sales. That's no surprise to me. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw an Anchor steam beer anywhere. California commons are not common uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The two that pop into mind locally, uh, Bolero 
and um, Lion's Roar. Both did California Commons. Both did them pretty good, but it's not a beer that people would regularly drink. Um, Additionally, Anchor is not going to release their popular holiday offering, Anchor Christmas Ale, for at least the next two years. Um, They are apparently ceasing it because it is due to uh, Christmas Ale's time-intensive and costly brewing and packing requirements. They have been brewing Anchor Christmas Ale since 1975. The brand apparently will be kept alive on tap at Anchor Public Tap. So what does that mean? It means it's not going to come out in bottle. Um, you know, it will come out at the brewery itself and maybe at some Anchor accounts within the San Francisco area, but it is not going to be released nationwide. Um, this comes as uh, Anchor and parent company Sapporo Still working to finalize a new union contract with brewery union workers. The union's last contract expired in March with negotiations delayed several times by Sapporo. Uh, that from union leadership that told Brewbound earlier this year. Uh, they've reached a tentative second contract. Still needs to be ratified by union members. Um, again, but here's the reason. Sapporo took over Stone Brewing last year for $165 million. They're using Stone's facilities to brew Sapporo in both San Diego and Virginia. They don't need Anchor anymore. When they bought Anchor, the intention was to get Anchor out nationwide, really make a big push, but also to be able to brew Sapporo on a regular basis and get it all over the country. They couldn't do that with Anchor, so hence the reason why they bought Stone, or part of the reason. Um, it's sad. Uh, you know, uh, the Christmas sale is a classic beer from them, and it's just sad that they're not going to be producing it out of the market anymore. And the fact that you're not going to be able to get Anchor brewing except in California. Uh, but I get it. Uh, you know, interesting times. If the beer is not selling elsewhere, why continue to do it? And if 70% of your money is coming from the California market, you have to meet uh, your market demands. All right. A couple of New Jersey things to get to here before we take a break. Uh, this past Monday, the Brewers Guild of New Jersey applauded the Senate Law and Public Safety Committee for moving S-3038, bipartisan legislation that would repeal the harmful license restrictions imposed on New Jersey's craft breweries. The bill now moves to a full vote in the Senate and Assembly. So there's two more steps to go here. Um, We applaud the Senate Law and Public Safety Committee for taking much-needed action on this important bill, which frees New Jersey breweries from unfair and onerous licensing restrictions. That from Eric Orlando, the executive director of the Brewers Guild of New Jersey. Consumers deserve a first-class beer experience when visiting a brewery here in the Garden State, and this legislation will ensure that that happens, continued Orlando, who testified alongside Guild members at the Senate committee hearing. With the summer tourism season already upon us, there is a pressing urgency for this measure to pass the legislature and for Governor Murphy to sign before these restrictions are automatically renewed on July 1st. We are particularly grateful to Senators Gopal and Greenstein for serving as prime sponsors of this bill, along with the many bipartisan co-sponsors in both houses. So the battle is not over, but two big hurdles have passed. Both The bill has gotten out of both the committees in the Assembly and the Senate, and it now goes to the full vote in both houses. Um, but this has to happen. They have two weeks to make this happen. And the other thing now, the other little monkey wrench here that's being thrown in is Senator Coughlin is now saying, well, we should probably cap the limit of events that breweries should do. No, that is not the right move. Those restrictions should be removed completely. No restaurant has a restriction as to how many events they can hold. So why are you doing that for the breweries? Senator Coughlin is misguided here. Email him. Uh, you can you can go to the New Jersey uh, State Legislature website, find his email address, get him an email, and, um, and make sure you tell him, uh, politely, of course, don't be nasty, politely, of course, that that 
should be removed uh, immediately within this legislation. All right, so that's good news. Still two big hurdles. Hopefully they get this done in the next two weeks and it goes across the governor's desk. Now, the other big news, back in May we told you that Cape May and Flying Fish were going to merge. Well, from All About Beer magazine earlier this week, uh, in April, uh, Cape May Brewing announced it was planning to acquire Flying Fish. The deal was supposed to close at the end of May. I, I stand corrected. I thought it was the beginning of May. It was actually the end of April. This past Tuesday, though, the brewery tells All About Beer the deal is off. After extensive analysis during the diligence phase, Cape May Brewing Company has determined it will not complete the planned acquisition of Flying Fish uh, from brewery president Frank Stempen. As a result, all plans associated with the close have halted. The acquisition will not proceed. Now, this is interesting. It is not surprising to me, however. I heard rumors a couple of weeks ago that the deal is probably not going to happen. The fact that uh, the folks from Cape May never got back to me about coordinating an interview with Ryan Krill told me another story that something was going on there. Um, I know they were doing their due diligence, but um, this is sad that that's not going to happen. And to be quite honest with you, I think this is the death knell for Flying Fish. Uh, Without another brewery coming in and taking them over or some large, you know, acquisition of cash funding from someone the uh, the days of flying fish are going to be over and and to be quite honest flying fish has not been relevant for a long time i think they made a number of mistakes before the pandemic and they have a large space uh but their beer has not been relevant for a very very long time and that's not good so we will see what happens here but obviously cape may not moving forward on this um, to me, I think Flying Fish goes out of business uh, before the end of the year. That's just my own personal opinion. I hope it doesn't happen, um, but things need to change at Flying Fish, and I don't know if they can do it in the constraints that they have. And then finally, uh, Lawson's Finest Liquids has uh, announced their new CEO, first time ever, uh, Adelaine Druert. Um, Sean Lawson, after 15 years as founder and CEO of the brewery, handing over leadership to help the brewery reach new heights. Uh, Adelaine, uh, Adelaine is a seasoned business leader who is ready to lead our brand into the next stage, and she shows demonstrated track record of success as well as a focus on values and impact that the company makes in the world. It is a big step forward for the growth of their company. Co-founders Sean and Karen Lawson are not going anywhere. This from uh, Sean. As Karen and I take a step back from the day-to-day, we're re-engaging our focus on the long-term vision we set out with in 2008 to make the finest beers possible, to keep it fresh and authentic, to focus on community, and ultimately to take good care and be a force for good in the world. Uh, Experience the unique Lawson's Finest community culture at their destination brewery, tap room and retail store in Waitsfield to try an award-winning beer or find Lawson's Finest in the cooler section of your favorite retail store throughout the Northeast. Lawson's Finest, cold stored, cold shipped, cold shelved to keep every beer brewery fresh. So that's cool. Um, We might talk to the new CEO at some point, um, but uh, kudos to Sean and Karen. They are looking to move the brand forward. And uh, to be quite honest, I think they can do that. Lawson's Finest makes great, great beers. Now, when we come back after a short break, uh, a young gentleman by the name of Adam Scalar, the Craft Beer Sticker Exchange Coordinator for the American Bruania Association, will join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 
670 the answer. You can follow me on Twitter at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast, of course, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, we're on um, Alexa, we're iHeart, Odyssey, all over the place. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast, you'll find it. Uh, we are also on the Hopped Up Network as well. Just go over to the hoppedupnetwork.com. Uh, check out the podcast version of this show, usually Monday mornings, just a couple of minutes after midnight. Uh, the podcast is posted, and you can download it and listen to it at your leisure. And my next guest is the Craft Beer Sticker Exchange Coordinator for the American Bruania Association. It's an organization that is a 501c3 nonprofit to advance the public knowledge of brewing and Bruania to serve historians and collectors and dedicated to the preservation of the memories and artifacts of America's historic breweries. For more info on the organization, just head over to AmericanBruania.org. Let me welcome to the program uh, Adam Sklar. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, thank you. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Uh, so, Adam, for the, um, for the audience that's not aware, give a description as to your role within the ABA organization. So there are four, five, six different collectible items that we do. I run the stickers, and then we also have labels, coasters, bottle openers, matchbooks, and napkins. Um, It's a collection of, obviously, with the stickers up and coming, it's the new collectible item. So we uh, we reach out to the breweries. We have the the full collection collated. as well as a tradable set where you know members of the ABA can uh, send stickers in and in, re- in return grab some stickers that I have from elsewhere around the country. And so, so it's a good way to, to it's a good way to network and it's a good way to uh, to continue to grow this collection. All right. So the, then the uh, the more obvious question would be to ask why do you do this? Is it for the love of the stickers? Is it for the love of the beer? Or is it a combination of both? I, I think it's it's kind of a combination of both. It started is the love of beer as I was visiting breweries and you know I've been to, to almost 200 of them um, and it's just it's a big brotherhood you know you get talking and, and all of a sudden things open up you start talking to somebody else at the bar and they say oh my god I've got so many of these at home I don't know what I'm doing with let me you know let me send them to you you know um, so I, 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 I apologize for interrupting the interesting thing you, you had mentioned you said stickers labels matchbooks Brewer, yeah. I mean, these are brewery matchbooks because I'm assuming, obviously, Correct. of the Which, eight thousand. You know, I don't. I I honestly just found one the other day at one of the local breweries near me, and I looked at my wife and I said, "Wow, this is the first one I've actually seen." <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of you know back in the '50s, '60s, and '70s when you know they were starting and, and popping out. But yeah, I found one just the other night for, when we were at dinner. You know, that's interesting because I was at Cigar City in Tampa. Uh, in January, and you know, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head because not only do they sell beer there and they have food, obviously, but they do sell cigars. And I, I, mm-hmm. I was trying to think if they had matches there. I don't know if they had matches. Maybe they sold lighters, but I wasn't sure. But wow, you know, all right, that, that makes total sense. We're talking with Adam Sklar. He's the craft beer sticker exchange coordinator for the American Bruania Association. It's an organization that is dedicated to the preservation of the memories and artifacts of America's historic breweries. For more info on the organization, just head over to American brewerania.org. We'll tweet that out as well. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Now, uh, I, I know we met at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Fest, and I, I believe you told me you handle the, the sticker end of the things just on the East Coast, or is it all over the country? 
No, I mean I'm obviously based in the east on the East Coast, but no, we have stickers from I have stickers from just about all fifty states. Um, it's it's labeled it's logos from the breweries as well as the individualized stickers for their beers that they put out, um, and just logos without wording. So anything that's associated with an American craft brewery, um, that's what we collect. And and do you? I mean, obviously, I'm sure that you maintain contact with some of these breweries. Are you uh, collecting stickers all the time from breweries? Like I, I know, for instance, like Alesmith, uh, off the top of my head in San Diego. Sometimes they do uh, stickers with the can of the beer, uh, you know, different things, and they're constantly coming out with stuff. So are you constantly updating stuff, or is it if you just get a sticker from the brewery or a couple that that's part of that collection and then you move on, or you're constantly updating those those? Oh, no, we're, we're, con- we're constantly updating. I've got, we've got a full spreadsheet with, um, you know, the brewery, the state, the, the, the shape of the sticker, and then if it has any distinguishing features so we know. Um, over time, eventually all these will be cataloged and photographed and, and put up to a full website they already do that with the coasters right um so this is this is new we started this in in late 18 early 2019 oh wow um and we've got a we've got about between you know four and five thousand stickers and, and is it, it um and it, and it just continues to grow and is it display is it displayed at the at the w- within the organization like somebody can go to a, a you know a place and see all of these stickers uh, currently, they're actually all at my house. Um, okay. We're waiting to see what what they're doing with that. Um, like I said, you know, eventually they'll all be online right. um, with with pictures and everything. Um, but that does take some time. You know, the coasters are done, but that's been that's been years and years and years in in the works. Well, at least it's stickers. I had comic books and I had over fifteen thousand, and my wife wanted to kill me schlepping them from <laughs> house to house that we moved from. So at least stickers are a little bit smaller. It's a little more portable to get around now, Adam. As I yeah, mentioned, yeah, this is this is this is just one nice you know nice size box. <laughs> nice. And as I mentioned earlier, we met at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Fest over at the Coastal Brew Works tent. How did you do that day? First off, it was, a, it was a cold, windy day. I mean, nobody expected in June that it was going to be freezing and people were wearing jackets. But how did how did you do in terms terms of collecting stickers because that you know again that was another problematic day with wind and cold i, I know that uh, brewers had stuff out but I'm, I'm sure they didn't really have a lot of stickers on display but how did you do in collecting stickers at, at different breweries I, I did well i was actually there with a friend of mine so we kind of we kind of split up and, and conquered you know both sides of it and, and and met up in the middle um you know good good amount of them had them out others that didn't have them out you if i had you know quickly mentioned you know what i did with the with the collection, they uh, they pulled them out of boxes or pockets or, you know, other areas, and they were more than willing. Um, you know, usually I walk up and ask for a couple, and once they found out what we, you know, what I did, they right. said, "Here, take as many, you know, take as many as you want." Um, others that didn't have them with them, I'll, I'll stay in contact with to uh, to reach out and see if they can't send some our way. Okay. Um, but it was nice to reach out to some of those new breweries that I haven't, you know, had any contact with yet, right. and was able to to start adding some into those. Because I mean, every day you turn around, there's there's new breweries popping up. That's that's true. We're talking with Adam Sklar, the craft beer sticker exchange coordinator for the American Bruania Association. It's an organization that is dedicated to the preservation of the memories and artifacts of America's historic breweries. For more info on the organization, uh, just head over to AmericanBruania.org. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. On AM nine seventy, the answer, Adam. A, per, a personal question for you: Why is it so important for you to collect and store this type of memorabilia? Uh, you know what? I'm more on the younger wave of the of the beer collectors. Um, you know, they are a lot of them starting to get up there in age, and and it's a good way for for the next you know the next 
group of, of younger guys out there to, to continue the, the collection and the traditions that, you know, a lot of these guys have started prior with cans and, and lots of, you know, different signage and stuff. Right. Obviously, the stickers are a lot smaller, but, you know, those are the things that that everybody is pivoted to, and, and that's why, the, you know, the ABA and, and the museum itself has has pivoted towards that and, and wants to continue to, you know, really do well with it. I mean, it's got to be cool. I, I'm, ho- I'm hopeful for you that at some point all of these stickers that you've collected, they would put in some, you know, museum, whatever it is, that they can display it so that people can actually go to it and actually see the different stickers. Because some of the things that breweries do with stickers, it's really kind of cool. I know um, uh, Josh Bernstein, the author, who just wrote uh, a second volume of his, uh, you know, uh, beer book where you can, uh, you know, uh, the title is escaping my head, forgive me. But anyway, he did stickers for the release of the book, and they were all done by AI, the stickers, which were really cool. So it was something unique that somebody could have that none of these were, you know, hand-drawn or anything like that. He put in the information in the AI, and it spit out uh, these particular stickers, which is kind of cool. But last question from me, Adam. The, you, out of all the stickers that you've collected over the last several years, what is, what's the most unique sticker that you've received from a brewery? Mm, that's, a, that, that's a good one. You know what? Some, honestly, a lot of them with the artwork these days are are very unique. Um, you know, a local brewery to me, Imprint Beer Company, oh, does sure. constant stickers, and, and you know, and I joke with them. I, I know them since you know way back in day one. They never had stickers, and I said to them, "Guys, come on, you know, we need stickers. You know, right. we need to do something here." And now, you know, every time I walk in, they go, "Hey, we got four new stickers for you." So, you know, I joke with them that, you know, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have any stickers. Um, but I, the artwork that the artwork that those guys do, you know, the first anniversary sticker, then the second anniversary sticker, which tied in the first anniversary sticker, and then the third one tied in the first and the second anniversary. And then you know, this year's fourth anniversary sticker had, you know, components of the first three anniversary stickers. That's pretty awesome. So, you know, that they really they really go out there, not just for them, but, I mean, you know, all around the country, you know. I'm also part of a group on Facebook that we trade stickers, so stuff's constantly coming in. That that um, is, you know, I'll show up at the house at home after after working, and there's you know three, four, five envelopes of stickers that I just that I, a I didn't know were coming. B, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was you know a surprise. What, that's wonderful. My my guest has been Adam Sklar, the craft beer sticker exchange coordinator for the American Bruania Association. It's an organization that is dedicated to the preservation of the memories and artifacts of America's historic breweries. For more info on the organization, just head over to AmericanBruania.org. Adam, how can people send stickers to you or get in touch with you on social media? Um, through email, it's abastickerexchange at gmail.com. If you reach out to me there, you know, we can get in contact um i can send you a list of what we have and uh also any specific ones that i'm looking for mm-hmm. and from there you know reach out and i can shoot you an address uh you also i believe i'll have have my card with my information yes, on I it do. Yes, I do. so you know that's the quickest way and and honestly you know i say to everybody jokingly anytime you're somewhere and you see a brewery and you're going in ask for a couple stickers tell them it's going towards the uh the ABA and the National Brewery Museum, which is based out in Potosi, Wisconsin, which is open to the public and can be viewed. Lots of lots of neat things there. Very cool. Adam, thanks so much for joining me tonight. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Up next, we're going to have Mariah Calagione from Dogfish Head and then Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer coming to you from the Alamo Draft House in New York City, literally a block and a half from my office where I broadcast from the radio station on AM 970. The answer, and they have a cool new theater. If you've ever been to Alamo Draft House, we've talked about it on the show before. It's this unique theme of food and drink and movies in a really cool setup. And tonight we're here at the premiere of Asteroid City, which is a new movie that is out by Wes Anderson. And the cool thing about the movie is that Dogfish Head has made a beer for the movie, and it's called Asteroid City Lager. And we're here with Mariah Calagione. She is an owner, an author, and she's also the social impact leader of Dogfish Head Brewing. Mariah, thanks for joining me for a couple minutes. Thank you for having me. We're excited to be here. And how did this collaboration with the movie Asteroid City happen? Did Wes Anderson come to you guys? Did you reach out to them? How did it it all come about? Well, we actually had a mutual friend connect us. Um, Our friend Tim League, who owns and founded Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, um, reach out to us. We have done over the years a number of, um, of film events at their theaters, starting with the Off-Centered Film Festival that we ran for a number of years in Austin with Tim and his team. And so when the opportunity to screen at the premiere was here, he reached out to us and said, you guys are perfect pairing. And we said, we agree, we're in. Awesome. Awesome. So now the theme was to create a beer that represented the time period. The movie is set in the 50s. Why a Pennsylvania lager yeast and not some other yeast from the 50s? Well, we thought that was a good yeast, like a 50s throwback kind of like lager yeast. You know, we're from Delaware, so Pennsylvania is not too far away. And there was a thriving beer scene, you know, back in the 50s um, in the Pennsylvania area. So we went with that. And then we went with some regeneratively grown Pilsner. And we just had a lot of fun creating not only the beer, but the label and trying to keep in theme with um, the movie. We didn't bring in any alien specimens that we're aware of, but um, yeah, went, went hard with the yeast. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, last question for me. I, I know obviously you're friends with the owners of, of Alamo Drafthouse, but it's got to be really cool to be partnering up with a movie house like this that the different themes of every movie theater like on Staten Island they have a whole thing to the Wu-Tang Clan uh, in Brooklyn I think it's uh, more of like a horror movie or sort of magic themed uh, sort of stuff um, where can folks get the beer besides the movie theater? So we'll have it at Alamo Drafthouse Cinemas around the country we'll also have it um, right here in New York at Italy. Um, at the Flatiron location, and then at our Dogfish locations in coastal Delaware. And maybe it, it'll be popping up here and there elsewhere, but for those, for sure. All right. Uh, Mariah Calagione, owner, author, social impact leader of Dogfish Head Brewing, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Well, how do you like that? Welcome back. Uh, that was uh, Mariah Calagione from Alamo Draft House. We had a great time the other night at the... Um, at the premiere of Asteroid City. By the way, it's in theaters uh, in a limited release right now, and it will be uh, being released across the country uh, next weekend, or this coming weekend, uh, coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, uh, you know, in theaters around the country. Great movie. Uh, Enjoyed it a lot. And by the way, as we start off Suds and Duds here, uh, Asteroid City, uh, the lager, an excellent lager by Dogfish Head, reminiscent of the 50s with a modern twist on it, uh, it is uh, very good, easy drinking. Uh, had a really nice time uh, drinking the beer and enjoying the experience uh, of the Wes Anderson movie. So thanks, Mariah, uh, for giving me a couple of minutes. I very much appreciate it. The whole place was decked out like Asteroid City, the bar. Uh, they had all these different tchotchkes and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Uh, let's dive into Suds and Duds, uh, the remainder of it. And then a, a one quick news note before we, uh, before we get out of here tonight. 
A um, couple weeks ago, back in, down in Atlantic City at the uh, Beer Music Fest, had a great time. We started the uh, weekend off uh, at the Seed. And if you haven't been to the Seed in Atlantic City, I encourage you to go there. You make a stop in Atlantic City, you're hanging out at a couple of the casinos and stuff. Uh, 100% you should make a stop uh, at the Seed. Uh, started off with Tangerines and String Quartets. This is with Mosaic and Centennial. Uh, and, and as I wrote on Untapped, if um, if a beer could be a saint, this would be it. I could drink this all day long. Amazing. Uh, just reminiscent. Almost felt like a um, a mimosa almost. Like something that you would have at brunch. Delicious beer. Nicely fermented. Just, just really awesome. Uh, then I moved on to the uh, Cozy Up. Uh, this was... I, I believe this was an it, it, this was an English. Hmm, was this this wasn't the English mild? It might have been the mild, or the uh, spe- English special bitter. But if you love figs, uh, th- this is the beer for you. Amazing, full of flavor, and again a low ABV, which was awesome, which I really enjoyed. And then I had until the sunlight, uh, thick chocolate, delicious. Uh, this was their uh, I believe this was their Baltic Porter, really really nice, cyclical by nature. A banging West Coast IPA uh, by the Seed, uh, just uh, really, really nice. And then a a place to rest, uh, which my friend uh, Rob that I had bring uh, had brought with me to the uh, beer fest. He was drinking a lot of this, a slamming melon forward uh, IPA, just all the right notes. Um, and the, and you know the Seed doesn't do, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't do a lot of IPAs. It's a lot of other types of beers. I think they always have an English mild on draft. There's some sort of banging boozy beer. Um, again, it's a lot of, um, I don't want to say authentic beers because that's not right. Traditional beers. That's a better way to, uh, that's a better way to put it. Traditional uh, beer. So this is, this is a little, something for most breweries would be the, the norm. This is something off, uh, a little off the beaten path. And then uh, as simple as youth, um, simple, delicious, earthy, just a really nice beer. Uh, again, everything the seed does uh, is fantastic. And then they did um, a collaboration with the Ocean um, called Seeds of the Ocean. Uh, very nice pale lager with a hint of floral uh, flavor in it. It was fantastic. They did a special. It was like $4 for a draft. How could you beat it, especially in a casino? Um, it was just awesome. What a great, great beer. And what a great experience. You go to the seed. It's right down the street from the Hard Rock Cafe. There's a distillery around the corner from it. Uh, there is a uh, axe throwing place right next door. It's just a really cool spot, and they make the brewery has this sort of, you know, they're called the seeds. So there's sort of like this sort of Mother Earth type of vibe to the place. You go in. There's some couches. There's some tables and chairs. You sit down. You know, there's sort of like branches and stuff, and you know, it, it just gives you a real cool vibe. In the middle of Atlantic City. I, I enjoy it. It's a great place. It's always a stop when I go down. And, and I'm really excited uh, at the success that these guys are having. They just did a, uh, I think they just did a collab with North Park. They've done stuff with Timber Rails. They're doing a lot of collabs. They, they are a great brewery. And they don't really distro. It's sort of, you got to get there to get their beer. I mean, you know, they do releases. I, I'm, I'm not going to drive 90 minutes for their release. But whenever I'm there, whatever they have on tap, I'm drinking it. Uh, for sure. Uh, one little bit of news before we get out of here, and this is this is pretty big news in New Jersey. Muckraker Beer Maker and Two Villains Brewing are joining forces. 
Uh, they're launching the first brewery in, Ver- in the uh, Vernon's Resort area in the last 30 years. It's an 8,000-square-foot brew house, tasting room, and private party space. It's going to be nestled between the Mountain Creek and Crystal Springs Resorts. Uh, it'll offer an array of beer and other malt beverages from IPAs, lagers, and stouts to hard sodas and seltzers to spontaneously fermented amylams. The Muckraker Brewery and Tasting Room in Franklin, New Jersey, will remain open until the new space is ready for business. Uh, they'll have more details coming up in the coming days, weeks, and months, uh, including the new name for the brewery space, where they're going to produce beer under both the Muckraker and Two Villains brands. Uh, Tom from Muckraker and John and Sean from Two Villains go back nearly a decade to their days of side-by-side tables at homebrew competitions and are incredibly excited to get started on the next chapter in the journey of both brands. This is really cool. This is a situation where you have two really good breweries who have decided that that both businesses, sort of where they're located, are not doing that great. Uh, they needed to change the narrative. Um, I know Tom had talked about moving his business into New York State. Um, that you know, why bother fighting all the regulations and this and that, et cetera, et cetera. But I love the fact that they uh, came up with this idea to team up to open up a space. Both will be continuing to brew their beers um, under their own names, but yet they're sharing a space. And I think this is this is awesome. I think this is a really cool thing. Kudos to both of them. I've had some of Tom's uh, beers from Muckraker Beer Maker. Um, at Paragon Tap and Table. I've not made it to the brewery. I'd like to get up there this summer. Again, for me, it's a drive. If I'm going there, that's about the only thing I'm doing. You know, rest up and then, you know, head back and, you know, um, and deal with it. But I love the fact that they're going to be doing this. And I've never been to the Crystal Springs report, uh, uh, Resort. Everyone tells me what a great place it is, that you should go there. It's just, again, it's all the way in the northwest corner of New Jersey, which is a bit of a hike. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things, but now it'll be a destination for me. I'll have to do it one of these days and make the uh, and make the play. What are you going to do? My thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guest Adam Scalar for the uh, Craft Beer Sticker Exchange Coordinator for the American Bruania Association, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Uh, I'll be back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at six a.m. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.